Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day. Yes, thank you. I hope you guys are able to connect with family and maybe close friends. I know that, uh, you know, when we think of fathers, it's really cool. You know, there, there's the, the blessing and the curse of social media. You know, we, um, there's so many that um, can spend so much time that it can just take and, and take and take and take, right? But there's also, um, I think, used properly, it can just be just a tremendous resource as well. And, and I, I had checked it last night, and I saw uh, different men honoring their fathers who had passed. And um, it, was, it was just really um, just a powerful experience. And so knowing that, you know, when we talk about fathers, that it, it carries a different weight for different people. You know, if you, if you had a father that maybe died early, maybe you didn't get to know your dad, uh, those, those type of things can really impact you. Maybe, you know, your, your dad was incredible, maybe your dad wasn't, and then you have to deal with, with that as well. Um, but at the same time, we, we come here, and, and this is just a, a really, it's a made-up day, right? It is. It's, it's, it's a made-up day. We don't see in, in the Bible all of a sudden... Father's Day shall be celebrated in June. You know, I mean, it's not one of those things, but it's still a wonderful thing for us to do and, and to honor the men in this place. And uh, I, I really hope, men, that you feel honored today. Um, I, I'm taking a step out of 1 John. We're going to finish the book of 1 John. Um, but this is something I had been pondering uh, in my heart for well over a year, mainly because I was just reading through the book of Proverbs, and when you get to the last book, uh, or the last chapter, if you've been in the church for any um, length of time, women know this as Proverbs 31. If you, if you do a Google search, you will find more than you could ever read on a Proverbs 31 woman. Now, my experience, now this is just my experience that I've heard from women around me, it doesn't go over super well, okay? It, it hasn't been a super positive experience because of it was almost like more of a, a weight or a pressure put on women on how they are supposed to act and how they are supposed to behave. And funny, it never talks about the men. But if you read Proverbs 31, it is written to a man from his mother. And we're going to talk about the Proverbs 31 man today. And I think that weight is a little heavier. And some of the women are saying, what? Amen. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Whatever brings you with us today, we are just so happy uh, that you're here. And uh, Life Assembly, your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to us. And uh, we do our best to... Uh, facilitate and provide opportunities where the Lord can work among us in our hearts, help us develop and grow and disciple. And, and uh, really what Ephesians 4 says is to do the work of the ministry. And that's what we are called as a, as a church to do. So I'm going to start with Proverbs chapter 4, uh, 5 through 9. Proverbs 4, 5 through 9. Get wisdom, get insight, or 
understanding. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Wow, wisdom is a, is a woman. Interesting. And <clears throat> she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get understanding. Get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. I'm pretty sure the women in this place are like, well, of course wisdom is a woman. Right? I mean, duh. We already, we already knew that. So I think that when uh, we look at Proverbs here, um, hold on a second. I'm getting a phone call. I, I don't think you guys would mind if I take this phone call, would you? Okay, hold on. Hello? Hello? Hello, this is, this is Dale. Hello, Dale. This is Wisdom. Oh. Um, excuse me, who did you say this was? Wisdom. Um, wisdom who? I just go by wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds me and the one who gets understanding. Honestly, this really isn't a good time. I feel like I have a lot of people looking at me right now. <laughs> How about this? Call me back. I'm always here. But be prepared. It's going to take a lifetime. Thanks for the call. I'm not uh, sure I can commit to something like that right now, but I have your number on my caller ID, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'll call when I get around to it. Okay, call back as soon as you can. <laughs> Will do. Okay, thanks. Bye. I, this is really embarrassing, church. I've never had something like this happen before. Actually, I was really nervous that my phone was actually going to ring. <laughs> I, my, my bigger concern was that somebody was going to leave going like, oh my goodness, I'm out of here. So, like I said, today we're pushing pause on... 1 John 5, because we are talking about wisdom, and the Bible has so much to say um, about that. So, first of all, what is a proverb, um, or the Proverbs of, of Solomon? This book is in the Old Testament, and um, as many of you know, the Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew, so why is that important? Well, the definition in Hebrew is comparison. So this is likely why we see when you read the book of Proverbs, if you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. And so we, we see just a lot of comparison. So, for example, Proverbs 22.3 states, a prudent man sees danger and he takes refuge. Um, but the simple keep going and suffer from it. So this proverb compares a prudent man and a simple man. Okay, so that's the, the comparison. It's, it's a proverb. Uh, one theologian calls a proverb a condensed philosophy or a practical philosophy, a condensed history even, or a short moral sentence. In other words, Proverbs goes beyond 
what the simple verse or sentence or phrase says. A proverb is to teach us wise truths and cause us to think. It brings us wisdom, and then as you keep reading and consuming it, it brings more wisdom. And it's meant to keep us from pitfalls that others have gone through in life. And in a little bit, we're going to be hearing from some men in our midst to share a little bit of wisdom that has either been passed down to them and, and maybe we can even learn a few things about it. Now, one illustration that I read compared a proverb to a seed that everything in that seed will give a full tree its entire nourishment of maturity. Everything that it needs is right in that place. And a proverb is, is the same. It, it, it has so much more than just to be read through. <clears throat> so a, a proverb is, is meant to be more than just an empty platitude uh, of things that we hear people say. It is meant to be eaten. It's meant to be digested. One doesn't just get wisdom. It is, it is conceived in pursuit. There's diligence that is put in to wisdom. There is practice that is put in. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but when somebody says, no, how about you do it, I'll watch. Okay, this is how you do it. Now you do it. You're actually putting it into practice. And that's what wisdom does. It does not meant to be just read or consumed quickly. Um, Heidi, could you please put the slide on? It's Proverbs um, 24, 23. There's four different um, versions. I think it's down at the bottom. All right, so we're going to practice together. You ready? So, hey, she's talking, right? No, Mo's talking to me. This, today I'm going to give you some, some latitude. Let's talk a little bit, okay? Mo's kicking it off. So Proverbs 4.23, the ESV version says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. The King James version says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out it are the issues of life. NIV, the New International Version, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The Message Bible, keep vigilant, watch over your heart. That's where life starts. <clears throat> okay, so we're just gonna practice for a minute of, you know, most of us, I think we have a couple options when we read the Bible. And one is sometimes people go for, you know, like a yearly Bible plan or how much can we read through. And that's very, that's great. Um, about a year and a half ago, I was, I, I was always frustrated with the pressure of just getting through the Bible. I felt like I was rushing. And then if I got behind, I don't know if you're like me, you get behind and then you just kind of feel like, oh man, I just, I can't, I can't get ahead, you know. And so I, I gave myself permission to just consume a certain area and just be in it. And so I read Hebrews, and then I read Hebrews, and then I read Hebrews, and then I read Hebrews. And then sometimes I would push the audio as I was driving, and I would listen to Hebrews, and I would read Hebrews again. And I would sit, and I would think about it, and, and I would ponder it. The Proverbs are asking us to sit and actually consume it. And so if you need permission, I'm going to give you permission to just think and listen and, and hear what the Lord is speaking to you through his words. 
And so let's, let's practice this right now. So let's say we didn't just read um, Proverbs 4.23 quickly. Could you put that back up for me, please? <clears throat> Instead, we look at it and we say, okay, it says guard. It says vigilant. It says keep watch. So all these things are, are an action, and these things are, are a place of protection. And so it seems to me, just, just from looking at this right now, that my heart, what is in me, is so valuable and precious that I should defend it and I should protect my heart because it is so valuable that it will affect, it will affect everything in every part of me. So let's think about that for a minute. Okay, so let me ask you a question. I'm going to give you permission to talk here just to maybe amongst yourselves for like 20 seconds. Just look, look at the person next to you. If you're alone, you can talk to yourself. We're used to that. Um, so the question that I have for you is why is your heart worth fighting for? Why is your heart worth fighting for? Just take a minute. Is this weird for somebody right now? It's okay. All right, does somebody want to just shout something out? Why is your heart worth fighting for? Protection of what? Your beliefs. Protection of your beliefs. Good. That's right. What you ponder in your heart is going to come out in your actions. It's where life comes from. Exactly right. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Scripture tells us. So, if our entire being, if, if our life, if our interactions flow from this place, is it possible that maybe the way that if I've been treating people poorly or even treating myself badly, it's because I've allowed my heart to be damaged? Is it, is it possible that I've been walking in so much offense because I've allowed, I've allowed things in that never were supposed to be there? I'm supposed to protect it. I'm supposed to be vigilant, and I wasn't. So this is then a great opportunity for us to say, okay, we've just pondered on one verse. Okay, this is just a simple teaching, but you know what? This is teaching that we need as a church. And in this one verse, we can now say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in prayer, okay? If you just bow your heads for a second. Heavenly Father, you've just told us in your word, Lord, that we are supposed to protect our hearts, Lord Jesus, and I realize that I've allowed hurts and pains to come into my life, or even if I haven't, Lord, I pray that you reveal areas that I need to protect my heart more. And so, Lord, right now in, in this place and in this church and in our lives, I just invite you, Lord, to show us areas that we need to protect our heart and guard our heart above all else. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for speaking to us through your word. The church said, amen and amen. So see how easy that is for us to walk through and, and to take something and, and to try and, and 
um, bring it into our lives. So God's word is not meant to be just consumed and binged and discarded like a, a Netflix special or a uh, relational fling. It is to be pondered. It is to be experienced, spent time with, held, embraced, at times cried over, pleaded with, poured out with, ch- cherished. And the Bible actually, especially in Psalms, gives us permission to be upset. It gives us permission to be angry. It gives us permission to be sorrowful and, and to go to God with our needs and with our cries. So remember that the Hebrew word for proverb is comparison. So in Proverbs 9, see we're building up to Proverbs 31. In Proverbs 9, we see a comparison between wisdom and folly. Now, both of them are calling out to you and I. Wisdom is at the city gates screaming out and saying, come into my home. Folly is a woman standing at the door Say, I'm really glad that the writer didn't put uh, the man was folly and the woman was wisdom because that would be really hard for me to dig myself out of with talking with Jaina. But anyway, so wisdom is calling. She says, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food. She, again, wisdom, pleads for simple to leave their ways and walk in the way of understanding. And in the same way, the comparison folly She also has a banquet. Both of them have banquets, inviting people to their home. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple, and she knows nothing. And Folly also invites people into her house, and we are told that those who enter her house are deep in the realm of the dead, and they don't even know it. Wisdom is calling. And this brings us to Proverbs 31, 1 through 9. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouths, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So first of all, do not give into folly. Do not give into the way of the realm of the dead by chasing women. So we see this mother writing to her son, and isn't it like a mother to want the absolute best for her son? And isn't it like a mother who apparently knows that her son is going to be king is saying, listen, in order for you to rule, in order for you to be able to lead well, you are going to need a spouse who is as noble as you are. Nobility. Number two, do not get drunk and make a fool of yourself making decisions you do not remember, saying hurtful things that break relationships and trust. Interesting, it says that it is for the perishing, that alcohol and strong drink is for the perishing, not for the people who are accomplishing things. 
The, the strong drink and the alcohol here are, are meant for those that are perishing. It's interesting, Charles Spurgeon, he said he is, he is convinced that what, what he is referring to is that people who were actually dying or on death row, they were giving alcohol and strong drink and sometimes something mixed with that to prepare them for death. And, and so Charles Spurgeon is looking at this and saying he believes that this is for literally the perishing, that people who are, who are going after things and that they are really trying to provide and to lead, this is not the way they should live their lives. Number three, if you want a fine wife of noble character, like defined in Proverbs 31, men, you better look at yourselves. Because this woman's husband was, um, could be, to be somebody of great nobility and character. He was at the front gates. He was somebody that was doing his best to already be honorable. And men, if, if we are expecting our wives to be noble, we ourselves should be noble as well. Men, this is wisdom from a concerned mother. Will you take her advice? Will you take her advice? A woman, and when you first get into verse 10, it says, a woman of noble character. So no serious theologian looks at verses 10 through 31 and looks at it as a descriptor of a woman's behavior. Well, why is that? So I'm going to share a few things and the reason why I don't think that it, that it is either. First of all, verses 10 through 31, it's an acrostic poem. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes in order. So for us, it would be like A through Z, and it goes through A, B, C, and it goes through, and it is, a, it is an acrostic poem. Okay, so just the fact with that is probably enough to realize that all the words they wanted to use probably didn't line up perfectly, right? Secondly, this mother is wanting the absolute best for her son who is going to be leading one day. And you know what? I think every mother wants the same thing. So women, go ahead and make an acrostic poem for your, for your boys. Thirdly, one of the most godly and profound women in the entire Bible, and we taught on that last year, Ruth, she was honored and had high esteem in an entire country that wasn't even hers. And you cannot go through that line in that list and see that she was doing all these things. She was noble, and she was wise, and she was providing for after her husband died, her mother-in-law's husband died, she went and she served her. Even though she could have got remarried and lived in her own country, she went to a foreign country. She served Naomi. And she would pick in the fields and do all those things. And she didn't come back and do homework and, and do the things that, at home. No, Naomi took care of that because that's what she was able to do. And she was held at high, high esteem. And just as there are Proverbs passed down for us from Scripture, there are also lots of wisdom in this room, and I'd like to invite um, a few of the men that I, actually, all of the men that I talked to, if you guys would come on up here, please. Church, would you give them a hand? I'm really excited that they're coming up here today. I tell you, summer's really hard to do this because people's schedules really change, and it's difficult to, uh, to get it. 
people to say yes as well. I had, I had to do some bribing. So um, I'm going to kind of start this with you over here. If you want to introduce yourself, um, maybe tell us a little, maybe how long you've been here and um, introduce your family. My name is Keith Anderson. We've been coming for 10 years. And uh, hmm. so um, I came to God at 30 years old and was baptized at 30. Um, my wife is Verna and Noah, and Maya is up at camp, and we have three grown children and six grandchildren. Wow. That's awesome. Is that it? That's it. Uh, Jeremiah, I believe we've been coming here for about nine years, and uh, I grew up in the church, but didn't actually start uh, living for the Lord and have a close relationship until 0304, and uh, my wife is Jill, and we have three wonderful children with lots of energy. That's awesome. Alan? My name is Alan Lundberg, and uh, my wife is Laura, and uh, we've been coming here for 18 years. Wow. And, uh, and uh, we have five children, and we have three grandchildren. That's awesome. My name is Blake Benzel. Um, my wife is Jessie, and we have five awesome kids. And uh, we've been coming here for about a year and a half now. That's awesome. Well, just hold on to it. I'm just, we're just going to kind of go like a wave here, all right? So uh, I, I asked I ask them two main questions. And uh, so we're going to start with the, the first one, and we'll just go down and then come back with, with the last one. And uh, so my first question that I had for you is, could you share with the church maybe somebody um, in your life that has passed down wisdom, and it's just an opportunity to honor somebody that has helped you in, in your life? Um, for me, it was um, our, our former our former pastor, Mike Bacone, and our, our former worship leader, Mark Johnson, they really spoke into my life and really showed me what it meant to be a, a, a man of the Lord and, and a, a father after the Lord's heart. That's awesome. Well, um, that was this, actually, this one, which is a shorter question, actually was a much more difficult one for me because um, uh, he kind of, which one have, have really helped you in your Christian walk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of things about being a man and everything like that from, from my father or my grandfather and different things like that. But as far as helping me in my Christian walk, I basically, I really couldn't narrow it down. I, I, I just found that all of the men that I've been associated with as pastors or in the men's group or ones that have been in life groups with me that I've just been able to have significant conversations with over time, the collective yeah. amount of wisdom that comes from all of those people in their lives is kind of what has helped me to be able to, to be able to live my life the way I do. That's awesome. I agree with Alan. This was a little bit harder question. I um, actually pulled from th or four, four men in my life. I kind of learned different things from uh, one was my father, uh, a good, strong work ethic. Uh, not having a schedule, he, he just went to work when he had to, made it to our baseball games and, and events that we had when he could. 
And uh, then my mentor, Tony, um, invited me into his home and uh, his, his kids would come over Saturday morning. I'd be with them and they'd, they'd uh, you know, just spend time in the Word and just reflecting a really godly example and a real uh, dynamics of God's love. And that I was kind of surprised because I couldn't believe his kids actually wanted to come and spend time with them. And so seeing that was, was really powerful, the love of a father um, and, and that just a healthy Christian family. So that was really powerful. And then uh, a minister, Doug, who, uh, when he's ministering, I just really seen the love of a father through him with people when he'd share. He wasn't in a hurry to get through. There'd be a line of people, and he'd stay. He'd go past. Uh, the service was supposed to end, and sometimes it would be 45 minutes. An hour later, he'd still be sharing and ministering with people. And uh, that was powerful to see. And, and then patience came from my old boss who had six kids. And we'd be trying to fix equipment and tools were missing. And he, he just kept it together. I don't know how he showed me, um, or just by his example, also working with me and showing me um, the trait and some things. But having that many children and, and the patience that man had, it was, was real powerful. I would say that there wasn't, um, you know, one strong person in my church life that um, I looked up to per se, but similar to what others have said, um, in all the churches that we've attended, there have been some really strong and godly men that I've, you know, looked up to and sought wisdom from. Um, but, you know, in terms of general, you know, what's it like to be a man? I think my dad was a good example, um, you know, mostly, and I think he taught me some things that I did not want to repeat, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, and then in, in later, you know, and then after marriage, Verna's dad was a, a really good role model as well, someone who really loved God. Um, so, um, but yeah, my dad taught me, you know, integrity and honesty, and, um, you know, his word was, as good as any contract, so that was a strong influence wow. in my life. So that's what I would say. That's awesome. Um, lastly, um, a moment to pass on truth or a moment to just share with maybe something you've learned through maybe heartache or experience or something that if you could just, you know, <clears throat> share with uh, the church today. Well, in terms of being a father, again, you know, um, taking um, positive things from my role models and also trying to learn from things that weren't so positive. Um, as a father, I've really tried to love on my children um, and, you know, trying to hug them all the time and, and love on your boys and teach them to be loving, try to show respect to women, um, to try to teach, instill that into the, my son's um, and then I think it's so important for men to um, really love on their daughters um, and teach them um, how valuable they are. And, um, you know, somebody once said, um, you know, be a good role model for your daughters, and um, hopefully when they grow up, they won't settle for somebody less, hmm. you know, in their life. So um, I would say just 
love on your kids every every time every moment you um, can and uh, let your daughters know how wonderful they are it's powerful um, yeah as a as a man and a father I think sometimes uh, when we have a target on us enemy would like to I guess, just take us down as leaders of our home, as spiritual leaders, as heads of the house. And um, so what, I, what I've learned being a father and, and walking with the Lord is God does have a best interest in mind, um, you know, with my children and stuff. One time we let my son eat as much ice cream as he wanted, and he threw up in the car about a minute later <laughs> or so when we got to the car. And so... Sometimes without the Bible, without guidelines, without other mentors and men in our lives, we can self-destruct or go in a direction that's not healthy. And so I think that's, that's so important to understand that God does have our best interest in mind. Um, the other thing as men, uh, as a man or leader, is the weight that our words carry with our children and our wives and uh, this is so powerful to me. My brother and I were talking, and I'm 43, and he's 41, and I have three younger brothers. But anyways, we are talking, and, and Joe said, hey, you know, we are doing something. Dad was down here, and we were doing something, and he said something, and I was just floating on a cloud. And I said, I, I know, I can't believe that at 43 years old, I mean, I, I've learned to my acceptance through Jesus Christ, but the words of my father, even at my age now, uh, good or bad, it's like, why, did, why does that have wow. section effect on me? And, uh, and so that is awesome that God has shown me that, to, to be careful with your words, you know, with your children and uh, with other people. There's so much weight carried. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it, it's really important, I think, that we understand that, that I encourage my wife, others, and my children, because I, you know, you'd think that would just go away after a certain amount of time, but it doesn't. The, the role of the father, God put it there for a reason, and I think as a spiritual leader and stuff, we need to recognize that, stand up, and, and be men. And uh, a book? You're good. I'm, oh, I'm just okay. watching you. Okay, because you said you're going to go <laughs> short enough. Oh, no. So if I go too <laughs> He wanted to preach, okay? Well, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. they gave me a microphone a year ago, and, and I got one back, so I must have did okay. <laughs> oh, praise God. I just, you know, I, I just can't reinforce that enough in my life. And uh, for other men, the role as, as a man of the house, I mean, without a doubt, we need to be close to the Lord and have other men support us in, in things we do. Um, so... Another, this is the last thing, is just Bill Perkins wrote a book. And uh, my brother actually read it and sent it up, mailed it to me, and I read it. And it's, it's Bill Perkins, and it just, it's just a book, Six Battles Every Man Must Win. Mm. And it's a real easy read, and it's just the six battles, our identity in Christ. We need to know our identity. Personal holiness, that's so important with technology and this stuff. The enemy never stops in our weak times, strong times, wherever you're at. The enemy's there all yeah. the time. So we need that holiness. Our family, we got to win that battle. Pain, friends, and, and strong faith. 
and, it, and that's just uh, Bill Perkins, Six Battles, Every Man Must Win. So praise God. That's awesome. Oh. Okay. Um, mine's probably not too different from Keith's, maybe just a couple of extra things. But, but um, you know, I think whenever my parents were raising me, one of the things, you know, it, especially with my father, it was like, you know, learning to be a good citizen, learning to be obedient, and learning how to be self-sufficient. Those were like the those were like the main things, you know, to, to take care of so that you weren't a, a burden on anybody else or on society or anything like that. And we really concentrated on on a lot of those types of things. Um, I think sometimes by just focusing on how to be obedient or how to do these things, sometimes I I always uh, always had concern. We and we were kind of we were kind of raised to live by what I would call godly precepts, but we were not actually taught to have a relationship with God and what that means. And um, so I think a couple of things. Number one, I think that, that um, teaching our children how important it is to have a close relationship with God and that, and to have that relationship with the Holy Spirit that is going to be with them all the time and to help direct them in their life and to help them make the right decisions and do the right things when their parents aren't around. Because sometimes I worry that, that you know, just using that, I would say, the world's way of trying to figure out how to do it, you may end up creating, like, children who are the best liars or the ones who are the sneakiest or whatever like that and are really, really good at that. But the question is, how do they behave whenever they have to answer to the spirit that is within them? Wow. So, and then, second of all, it's kind of what Keith was saying, which is, um, we were all taught to show love by providing for, caring for our families, and being there, and, you know, being solid. And sometimes we missed out on that, um, showing the love that's actually you know, like not being that hard exterior and and being the rock all the time, but being able to break down, be sensitive, and to be able wow. to share love from an emotional standpoint. Wow. I feel vastly underprepared. They all have notes <laughs> and I have nothing. Um, <laughs> when, I was, when I was thinking about this, I, I, I started taking down notes and I realized that I was writing a sermon and not just <laughs> answering his question. Um, I, you know, a bunch of the things that I had jotted down was, you know, show your, show, show your kids that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be sensitive and, and to show emotion and to, to show that, that sensitive exterior. Um, make your kids laugh, have fun with them, love on them. But the, the thing that I kept coming back to, I have, I have kind of a unique experience because I'm a stay-at-home dad. I don't work, I stay at home, I'm, I'm the, the caretaker of, of the kids. And to me, something that always gets missed in the, the messages about fatherhood is that, you know, you, you always hear the, you know, you're the, the head of the household, you're the strong, you're the, the rock of the household, but they never really talk about service. Mm-hmm. To me, as a father, it, fatherhood is all about serving your family. It's all about doing whatever your family needs to, to prosper. 
and to, to flourish. And so to me, that's the biggest thing that I can impart is that fatherhood isn't always about being out front. It's not always about being the head. It's about being a servant and about making sure that your family is is cared for in whatever way they need, whether it be you out in the workplace or whether it be you at home with them or, or however that looks. It's making sure that, that you're serving them so that they're cared for. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> Seriously, that thank you um, so much. And do you mind if you just stay up here for, for two more minutes and we're going to wrap up? You okay with that? Because I feel really supported having you guys right here <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, wow. Um, are you, do you feel blessed today? The, how I just want to end this is um, in, in Judges chapter 6, it's a very um, popular and uh, famous story of, of Gideon. And um, the Midianites, we see, had been really oppressing Israel. And they had, to the point where anything they would plant in the fields, the Midianites would plow up and wreck. And so we, we see Gideon... Um, hiding, and there was like, he, he's, he's trying to get grain in this press, and he's hiding while doing it so he can provide for his family. And when, when he's doing this, um, all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears, and the angel of the Lord calls him. He says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, or mighty man of the Lord, or mighty warrior. And Gideon looks at him and is like, I think you got the wrong dude. You know, look, look at me. Look, look where I'm at right now. <clears throat> and, and the angel's like, I've, I've, I'm calling you right now. And then he says in, in 14, and, and I've shared this with the church before, and this has been something that's changed my life. It says, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. God wasn't asking him to do something he didn't already have strength to do. And God comes alongside of us and he fills in the rest and the strength that we need. And so there's two things that I want to point out here as, as we leave today. One is God saw Gideon for who he's going to be, not for who he was in that moment. And God is looking at us, his sons and his daughters. He's looking at us as people who've been adopted by him into his family. And, and he is looking at us for who we are becoming. And he sees the end result. And so many of us, I think, get bogged down in, in, in our failures or in different things like this. And, and, and I just hope that really encourages you that he's looking at your future and who you're becoming and he wants the absolute best for you. And secondly, God is telling us that we can actually do what he has put before us with the strength that we currently have right now. You can do all that you can do and be okay with that. Be okay with that. Men, be okay with that. Don't look at the people around you. Don't look at what the people around you are accomplishing or what they expect of you. Do what God has put in front of you to the best of your ability and he will come in and he'll fill in the rest. 
And I hope that really encourages you today. I hope what these men uh, shared today encouraged you because, wow, I'm going to be listening to this <laughs> again, and I'm going to be jotting things down. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for sharing. And church, would you please stand? You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.